Welcome to the Whole Story Podcast. This podcast series is focused on inspiring sustainability in agriculture using the framework of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, also known as the SDGs. Each week, our guests are invited to share their story and leave us with some practical tips for sustainability on farms. I'm Bex Smith, founder of The Whole Story, a B Corp certified social enterprise inspiring, facilitating and articulating holistic sustainability in agriculture. And this podcast has been brought to life in partnership with the incredible team at FMG, who are passionate about partnering with organisations like The Whole Story, so together we can support rural New Zealand. So whatever you're doing while listening to this episode, thanks for choosing us. The best way you can support our mahi is to follow and share the show on whatever app you're listening on, and I hope this episode leaves you inspired and excited about the bigger picture of sustainability in agriculture. Today on the Whole Story podcast, I catch up with Lance Gillespie from Pastured Poultry in the Manawatu. Lance has a background in dairy farming, but has been on a journey discovering biological farming practices, soil health, and the opportunity for integrating chickens into a livestock farming system. Lance is now basically full-time importing, selling, assembling and distributing chicken trailers to large-scale farmers and small block holders nationwide, with a little bit of soil coaching thrown in for good measure. So welcome along today, everybody. Today we've got with us Lance Gillespie. Now, Lance, I'd love you to tell us a bit about your story, your business, who you are, where you're farming and what you're farming. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Bex, for the opportunity to have a chat this morning. It's nice to uh, sit back with a cup of tea and feel a little bit relaxed as we step into this. So I am a man of many hats, like a number of us. I'm a husband, father, biological friendly farmer. I import mobile pasture, poultry, chicken equipment for farmers and I facilitate the Manawatu Regen Ag Group. And then I coach a couple of clients in soil health along the way. So um, that keeps life pretty busy and pretty full. We live in the Manawatu. I was dairy farming for 17 years and moved off that property a couple of years ago to a smaller property. So now running beef cattle and a handful of chickens and yeah, do the chicken sheds and support farmers in their endeavours that way. That's really cool. And you say a handful of chickens. How many chickens have you actually got yourself? Oh, I've only got 30 at the moment, so uh, <laughs> not too many. I had 130 last year and cut back that side of it so I could concentrate on other things. So I guess you touched on there lots of hats that you're involved in. And the work that the whole story does is based around holistic sustainability. And I think it's something that you can really relate to there, Lance. But I'd love to hear what the word sustainability means to you, because it's such a buzzword and it means so many different things to different people. Yeah, absolutely. My thoughts around that is I take a slightly different slant on it and I call it regeneration. I think of sustainability as sustaining where we're at. And I think of regeneration as moving forward and regenerating. And then there's the degeneration on the other side of it. I like to think of it as regenerating of life and soil and biology and everything within the soil and in the environment. So that's sort of how I look at it. That's such an interesting conversation. I know we've had it before and I've had it with lots of others as well about the differentiation between sustainability and should we choose to just want things to stay the same as they are or, or to carry on status quo or should we actually be wanting things to be better as a result of our impact on them and so I'm sure it's a debate that I'll continue to have with men <laughs> but I think probably to add my lens on that is that 
the sustainability means that we must have a positive impact so that we can continue being involved in the industries that we're involved in. So it's more about not the practices staying the same or the outcomes staying the same, but the involvement with the industry or doing what we do. It's a really interesting discussion, but um, absolutely, absolutely. Either way, I think the sentiments are the same, aren't they? About really just doing the best we can, keeping trying to improve, and as we discussed before we hit record, just evolving, growing, adapting, and learning to do better absolutely. every day. For sure. <laughs> you touched on a bit of your background there, your dairy farming background, and then into the portable chicken trailers. Tell us a little bit more about that transition. How did we go from dairy farming to chicken trailers? Right, that's a good question. Well, I'll go back and start back at the beginning a little bit further back than that. I grew up in the city in Palmas North and moved to the country when I was 10. My, my mother had grown up on a farm. My, my father was a business retailer in town, but knew his sons had a passion for farming. So that's sort of how we evolved into the farming world of it. And mum and dad had always been very supportive in what the kids wanted to do. So we're happy to support us in our endeavours. So partway along that journey, my brother and I had bought a dairy farm together and we bought a dry stock farm. And then eventually we went our own ways and did our own things. So we were dairy farming in the northern Ruahine Ranges, farming at 680 metres above sea level, milking cows up there for 17 years. So it was a great lifestyle. It was a great place to bring the kids up. And there was a lovely community environment up there. So we did that. And partway through that journey, I started dabbling and thinking about what was known as biological farming back then, as opposed to the regenerative agriculture today. And on that journey, I'd met a a guy that became my business partner in the chicken trailers. And he was my uh, soil coach. And we sort of worked together in formulating plans for our farm. And one day we were standing in the paddock having a conversation and um, he was telling me about the lunatic farmer. And I didn't really know much about the lunatic farmer back then, but I did a bit of research and it turned out it was Joel Salatson from the US and he was running pastured chickens on his farming operation over there. So Dennis and I started talking about this and thinking, well, you know, why can't we do it here? There's an opportunity for us and an opportunity to support farmers into adding diversity to their own farm businesses. So back in 2019, we started working with a company in Australia and started importing mobile chicken sheds. It was a sideline gig at the time, and it's sort of uh, grown from there. And today, it's basically my full-time job and farming a bit on the side. So that's sort of how we ended up in that. It's a lovely mix of running chickens and livestock, cattle, sheep, and it's a pleasure to see the chickens running around out in the farm behind the cattle. So that gives me a buzz. And yeah, now I can spend time coaching with farmers and helping them work out what's the right size chickens for their operation, help them work through it. Some of them are fairly green and don't know where to start. And some of them have been doing it for a number of years and wanted to add to their business. Yeah, it's really cool. And I think maybe you could touch on then, what are some of the benefits of running chickens in your farm, integrated with your livestock system. For sure. I guess the main benefits are, you know, they get out there and they're scratching and they're fossicking and they're scratching the poo apart. They're picking out some of the bugs that we may not want in the soil. You know, the grass scrub and the priners, they don't mind eating them. And they're putting a bit of fertiliser back on the soil as we go. I certainly saw the benefits of the chickens pulling a cow poo apart. Within hours, the grass had been exposed to the surface again, so you didn't end up with all these sort of dung patches everywhere. 
And yeah, I just love seeing the chickens sort of integrate with the livestock. We've got our chicken trailers. Yeah, we've got them all over the country, actually. Yeah, up north, down south, yep, everywhere in between. It's certainly uh, creating quite a bit of interest. Some people, you know, can make their mind up in a week. They want to do something, and then some people might take six months. It's just a process you work through with people, and I've learned to have to be patient. And, um, you know, different people operate at different levels, and, yeah, just sort of work with where people are at. Yeah, it's meeting people where they are, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and their level of risk appetite or... Are they yep. close proximity to a town or somewhere where they can sell eggs at their gate? There's a myriad of yeah things to consider, really. Yeah, and so what are the size ranges of the different chicken trailers? <laughs> well, we, well, actually, this morning I sold a 20-bird trailer to a guy up in Northland. So we do a 20, a 40, a 150, a 300, a 450, a 600, a 1,000-bird, and a 1,500-bird trailer. 1,500 um, birds is a lot of birds. It is a lot of birds, yeah. And tomorrow I'm about to start building a uh, thousand bird trailer for a local customer. Yeah, that, that's going to be exciting and it's going to be great to see that out on farm in the next wee while. So uh, yeah, we've got, got plenty of options to cater for, for different needs and some people want them for their orchards so they can run chickens amongst their orchards, which I think is fantastic. So we work with them and that. And we've got lifestyle farmers that might want 40 hens and supply their neighbours and we've got others that want something in between. So yeah, catering to everybody really. Yeah, such a diverse range of people we'll be working with. Very interesting. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, there's people out there that just want them to provide eggs for their farm staff too, so you get a bit of interest for them, which is great. And uh, I was talking with a guy the other week, and he's got 40 staff in his pack house and that, and that's just another option for providing something for their team, really. Yeah, and what a cool opportunity. I mean, with eggs at the moment being the price they are, talk about perks of the job. Yes, yes, exactly. That's right, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess a side tangent then. I love to put people in the hot seat with this podcast. And I was wondering, Lance, if you could tell us your funniest story relating to farming or agriculture. For sure, for sure. I've been thinking a little bit about this, and there's probably a number along the way, but the one that sticks out was probably 30-odd years ago now. My wife and I were living in the States, so we travelled a bit when we were younger, and we'd spent time in the UK and time in, Eng- time in the States. And the guy I worked for sent me out on the 500 horse tractor with the field cultivator on. And he said, oh, turn left, turn right, head down this road and second road on your left, you know, there's the field. Well, I probably got a bit lost in that conversation somewhere along the way. I was heading down the road and I turned left, but I might have turned left on one road too soon or one road too late. And Farmer Brown was in his front lawn. He was mowing his lawns and he was looking at me driving past, wondering what the hang I was doing. And I kicked down the road another couple of K, and of course I was approaching a rail bridge overpass, and I was supposed to go through the tunnel. Well, I got up to it, and I thought, no way, this is going to fit through there. <laughs> so the farmer Brown back up the road, he knew what was going on, and he knew I wasn't going to get where I was going, but uh, that was an embarrassing moment for me that sort of stuck out, and I always remember that, looking back <laughs> at that guy on his lawnmower and wondering what the hell I was doing. So <laughs> How did yeah. you get out of that one? Well, I guess I had to back it up a couple of K up the road and turn around and head out, and he was there chuckling away to himself. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of, we did a bit of a stint farming in Cornwall, and all right. the Cornish lanes, and geez, you've got to know how to reverse around there. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jace would be pulling the big tractor with a big wagon on the back, and you get down, and then you'd meet someone coming the other way, and they'd just sit there and expect you to reverse, and so... Yeah. Here he is, reversing the old tractor with the trailer on the back, and yeah, gosh. Exactly. 
Yeah, oh, I can yeah. imagine. You would have made that guy's day on his lawnmower. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> you would have gone into smoker and been like, you will never believe what I've just seen. Laugh and laugh. Yeah, sure. Oh, very good. So I guess then touching back on your and you can come at it from either angle, actually, either the business or the smaller farming operation you've got. What do you see as some of the low-hanging fruit with regards to sustainability initiatives in your business? I'd always thought I felt I'd been a bit of an early adopter in a number of different things. And, you know, thinking back to the dairy farming time was I was quite happily to be looking at different fertiliser inputs and that sort of thing. So uh, I'd been dissolving urea back in the day for many years and adding biological stimulants. So that to me was an easy opportunity to reduce some cost and inputs and be working with the environment too. So that today, if I had to fit with the nitrogen caps, that wouldn't have fazed me because 30 units of N per year was never a problem. I was always recycling my bale wrap. So that was another easy one that sort of allowed it to be used for something else. I've been doing that since the inception of Plasback. But I think looking now, you know, there's opportunities out there for us to be providing food to our local community. So that seems like a great opportunity where we can be working in that space too. So, yeah, I'm sort of thinking a little bit about that. What could I add on my little block where I could be supporting and, and providing something, whether it's pumpkins that I can grow or, or garlic or, or eggs or whatever, you know. So there's certainly opportunities out there for different people in their environments to be um, working sustainably within a community environment. Yeah, and I think you've just touched on there two of the big key issues we've seen of late, isn't it? The cost of input prices. I mean, working in a low nitrogen environment at the moment, it's a really costly input. So, you know, everything we can do to try and reduce those inputs, the better. But also that building that local food resiliency, because we've seen just A, the cost of living, the price of food coming in from overseas or outside, but also through the COVID pandemic, actually being able to get access to foods that we probably took for granted in the past. So building sort of local food resiliency networks is something Mm. that's, yeah, a great opportunity for anybody who's got a patch of land, I think. Yes, yes. And it's a lot about community connections too, isn't it? Someone's growing something else, let's do a bit of bartering, a bit of swapping or or whatever, isn't it, you know? Yeah. Let's work with each other. And so what's then exciting you about your businesses over the next five years? I think that there's plenty of opportunities out there for us to be involved. And what's exciting me is working with farmers, providing some solutions, whether it be with, with a soil coaching hat on or whether it be looking at chicken trailers and how they might fit into uh, a business for people. They might have kids coming through and wanting to get involved in the farm, but they want to do something slightly different, you know, so I think there's a lot of opportunity there and that, that's exciting me to be having these conversations now and I'm having them now with people that might not want something for 12 months, but the wheels are starting to turn and they're starting to think. So I'm really enjoying that space of providing an opportunity and working with guys there. So yeah, I think there, there's a lot to be excited about, even though, you know, times are fairly tough out there for a lot of people. Everyone's sort of knuckling down, but people are looking for opportunities too. Yeah, and probably touching on that saying times are tough, I mean, things are moving at a pretty fast pace and it seems like the avalanche of change is kind of overwhelming. How do you personally prevent that overwhelm or burnout 
or apathy and actually stand up to face the challenge and keep fighting the good fight day in, day out? Yeah. That's a great question. And I think we can all put on a brave face, but underneath that, we've got to be realistic with ourselves and we've got to be honest and have honest conversations with ourselves about where we're at and where we're going and have conversations with our partners and our team about things. What I do is there's been times where I think, crikey, how are we going to get through this? Well, let's write a list and let's sort of write these things down on paper and let's prioritise things that need doing and prioritise the things. And it certainly makes a big difference when you can start ticking a few things off and you can see it rather than it all being stored up in your brain and not having it on paper. Just Even just to get it on paper certainly makes a big difference for me. I think there's a lot to be said about off-farm interests and getting out the farm gate and socialising and mixing with people. Last year, my daughter, she's a Pilates fitness instructor, personal trainer. She said, come along, Dad, come along. We're going to hop on a reformer machine. Well, I didn't know what the hang of a reformer machine was in her Pilates studio. So now on a Monday night, there's eight guys of us there, and it's just about guys hanging out and having a laugh. So that's really key. And I do another class on a Wednesday, and it's just meeting different people and hanging out with different people doing different things. We need to take this opportunity to get out of our environment and, and do different things. I volunteer with Triathlon New Zealand, officiating at Triathlon events nationally, so that's some of my summertime gig. And that, that evolved from watching the kids being involved with it and um, thinking, well, I could add some value here or I can do something. So putting back into the community in different ways, yeah, it's very rewarding and it gets us meeting different people in a, in a different space. Yeah, there's something really important about being a part of something bigger than ourselves and better off as us sort of being a part of it, isn't there, you know? Um, that real altruistic behaviour is so rewarding and can just help with that mindset piece, I think, when we get a bit bogged down in the weeds. And I'm interested as well in what you're saying about writing it down. I think there's that famous saying where you can't solve a problem in the same place it was created. So being able to get out of your head and get things down on paper, it's amazing the clarity it can bring and it's amazing sometimes though how hard that is to do in the moment you think you're so mm. busy and it's spiraling in your head and all you've got to do is pick up a pen and paper and write it down but it just seems yeah. like the most foreign activity to do because it feels pointless when you start but as soon as you get it out on paper um, yes. it's yes. amazing that different perspective that you can actually see absolutely absolutely and and it, it's hard when you're at the coal face every day to set sight time aside to think about things you know we, we can get easily bogged down in doing mm -hmm. and not have time working on it and, and putting effort into that respect when when we know there's tasks that need doing all the time and working on yourself too that's cool to hear you going to the um pilates studio i think there's something really important in that and i've been speaking to a lot of farmers recently around um functional strength like actually being able to look after ourselves in a way that keeps our bodies tuned so that we can actually go out and do a good job in their business. Yes, um, yes, totally. Yeah, I think speaking from season one of the podcast, speaking to Kane Briscoe, you expect the All Blacks to train for their job. So we should be out training for our job. And farming's, farming's a physical job. So actually keeping yourself fit, keeping your core strong, it's actually really crucial to be able to, I guess, do what we do and build into that sustainability of our farm businesses. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, if we haven't got ourselves in the right shape, it's hard to function, isn't it? So, you know, we've got to keep ourselves at peak performance to, to be able to work in our business. Yeah, and I think about it too. I mean, you don't want to get to 
retirement age, whenever that might be in farming circles, and actually be too broken to enjoy it. Totally. You know, you want to keep your body in that state that you can you know, run around with your grandkids and be able to enjoy your retirement, not be broken from years of flogging your body um, yeah. Yeah. without Absolutely. looking after it. So yeah. lots of good takeaways there. That was awesome. Mm. 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 So an interesting one that I'd like to know is what is the best piece of farming advice you've ever received? Top of mind, pay your bills on time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in our farming businesses or in any business, it's all about relationships and building connections with people. And if we can be connected and communicate in a timely fashion with people, then it takes a lot of stress out of our job. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking about booking a truck to send a load of cattle away or whatever or getting a load of fertilizer in. We don't want to have it arrive tomorrow without some planning. So simple things like that is just where we can communicate and where we can build relationships with people, well, that, that just helps us along the way and all on our journey so much, I believe. And I was always a, a believer in, yeah, being organised in those respects and that just takes some of the pressure out of the game when you've got a product on farm, you might not need it for two weeks, but, hey, I've got it and I'm organised. Um, so, yeah, I, that's some of the things I've been working on and, and picked up over the years from some advice I've been given. Yeah, and I definitely agree there around it being a relationship game and further to that paying your bills on time. You know, New Zealand's such a small community that if you get a bad reputation for perhaps not communicating with people, not paying the bills or not having a good relationship with people, it's amazing where they can come back to bite you in the long run. So not burning those bridges along the way by just being a decent person who communicates. and Absolutely, absolutely. I must say, though, now that a lot of bills are internet uh, received via email, sometimes they do get a little bit lost in the system, and I have missed a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite different when they always to turn up in a paper and you put them on a pile and that was your task. Well, now that you've got to sort of be yeah, organised in a different respect, don't you, to make sure you catch those emails. <laughs> the worst thing is when they automatically get diverted into junk and you don't even know that they went that way. Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, it's really interesting when you come down to it. It's all about that relationship piece, isn't it? Like how you just interact with people. It can make your life super hard or super easy. Yeah, absolutely. Something else I wanted to touch on. You know, I guess I'm fortunate to be married to a wonderful lady who works on mental resilience and our mental health. And so work I'd done with her over a few years ago was creating my core values. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah, so important that we've got our values nailed and we understand our why is what we believe in and what we stand for, and that, that helps us guide our decisions on a daily basis. I reflect on my core values, and I call them the two Fs and three Cs. So family, fun, connection, community, and collaboration. So I think we've touched on all those sort of things today, which sit very highly for me. So, yeah, I encourage anyone to have our values and know who we are and what we stand for. Anyone who knows me will know that I 100% agree with that. Knowing your values just adds so many benefits to your life, both from an operational point of view, but also from a mental resilience point of view. But decision-making for me, I mean, you're a person as well with many hats on, and I'm sure that you make very clear and strategic decisions based on those values. And so for me, when opportunities come up, all decisions have to be made. It's a lot easier when you've got a really good understanding of yourself 
and your core values and whether something aligns or not. And I don't lose as much sleep making decisions these days because I know that I'm holding true to myself. And I think it's a really important point you raise. And actually, in some of the work that I do with individual farmers, exactly that is getting people to explore their core values and actually the farm business's values and what it's there for because it then allows them to not get stuck in the weeds and the noise so much because it's, you know, you've got a lot clearer pathway through if you know what you stand for and what's truly important to you and your farming business. Yeah, what a, what a powerhouse duo are you two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm very fortunate. <laughs> no, it's very cool. So how long did it take you to work through figuring out those core values and, and do you refresh or change them at all? Or are they always the same or have they changed throughout your life's journey? I probably started this work probably eight eight years ago and probably didn't understand the value of them so much. And then they probably resurfaced about six years ago and spent more time with looking at them. And yes, they do change. And I think it's something that yeah should be reviewed every couple of years and, and work through that process and have a coach to sort of you know, help you sort of nut out some of these things. It's, it's a great process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'd agree. And it's, um, yeah, actually, one of the last farmer discussion groups I ran, we did, we went through a, a core values process. And one of the attendees afterwards gave some feedback. It's the first time they'd actually gone through that process for themselves. And it just provided so much more clarity on a direction forward for the farm. And related to what we were talking to before and that burnout and the overwhelm of what was going on, they could finally get a bit of clarity and see a path forward that was actually true to them and not so influenced by the outside noise um so yes such a powerful exercise so i echo that sentiment that people should do that work and yeah have we play around with what their core values might be yeah absolutely yeah so i know that you are very busy and you've certainly got a big job ahead of you with the thousand bird trailer to put together so In that, I wonder if you could leave our listeners with one take-home tip for sustainability that people can go away with and implement on the ground. For sure, it's a great question. It comes back to having our top paddock, our six inches between our ears, and a good space to be able to function daily. And we look at sustainability, well, that could be on-farm, it could be within our own mindset, so... That's my takeaway. If we can seek support and work on our mindset, well, that's certainly a great place that we need to be in. And it's more evident today than any other time, I think, with the pressures and challenges that that life is throwing at many people. Mm. And so I guess I'm going to extend on that question a little bit then, given your answer. What resources or where would you point people if they were going to go on this journey and they're going to say right I'm going to take on Lance's advice and I'm going to work on my top paddock what Mm. resources would you point people in the direction of Um, and I'll put the links in the show notes if you've got any specific ones that you shout out right am I allowed to give a plug for my wife (laughs) you sure can 100%. (laughs) So she specialises in uh, mental health and wellbeing. So I guess finding someone that works in that space, Mm -hmm. even if it's just to have a conversation with someone in that area, yeah, finding that connection to be connected with others is pretty paramount, particularly, yeah, when we're finding it a bit tough or we need some support in whatever we're doing. And do you have things that you do daily to keep 
in that right frame of mind. I've got a chair sitting on my deck at 5am. I try and sit on it and have my cup of tea and think about the day and start with a bit of quiet time, but some mornings lately it's been a bit cold to be sitting out on the deck. But no, I think it's, yeah, the exercise and getting out with other people that certainly created a happy space for me to be in at this point in time. Yeah, I love that. Well, it's good to hear that you're in a happy space and that those tools that you're implementing are um, useful. And I'm hoping that some of our listeners can take those on board as well. And um, yeah, what an interesting conversation going from your background, your the chicken trailers, the work you do in coaching with other farmers, and then just that real importance of people looking after their mental health and actually making sure they're resilient, both in farm systems, but also in their own um, mental well-being so no it's been a wonderful conversation Lance and I want to thank you so much for your generosity because I know I've really enjoyed it and I'm sure that people listening will have too so thank you cool thanks Bex thanks for the opportunity to be here to chat it's been great thank you well what an epic conversation with Lance and I know I'm definitely keen to get one of the chicken trailers on our farm now I just want to highlight some of the sustainable development goals that came up in our conversation Firstly, what we can't overlook is goal number 15, life on land, with Lance's passion for soil health and the biology within. He also covered off goal number two, zero hunger, and goal number 11, sustainable cities and communities, which are reflected in his passion for local food security. Goal number 17, partnerships for the goals, was a really interesting one in this conversation. Lance reflected on the necessity to let our partners and our teams understand what's going on for us to help us be more resilient in the face of challenge. And last but not least, goal number three, good health and well-being. Lance gets out to classes at his daughter's Pilates studio a couple of times a week, recognising not only the importance of physical exercise, but also the power of social connections and just having a good old laugh. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Whole Story Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it and are feeling inspired and optimistic about putting sustainability into practice on farm. I have one last request for you before you go. Make sure, whatever platform you're listening to us on, that you hit follow and share the show or episodes with your friends so that together we can grow our community and inspire sustainability and agriculture in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And thanks again to FMG for partnering with The Whole Story so that we could bring this podcast to life for you all to enjoy. Catch you next time.